I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex Screens, Mason Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing this week? Pretty good. Good. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. Thomas, approximately how much of your hair have you pulled out this week with no Lindor extension news? So, honestly, ironically, I feel more comfortable with it now than I did before. Because of the Heyman stuff, and like uh, Jarrett was saying in Slack that uh, the um, there's Rosenthal said he's pretty confident about it happening and stuff like that. So, and Cohen tweeting that yeah, if he he's... tweets that and doesn't actually sign him, like he might have to sell the team. So, like <laughs> because, that would like, be like the Will Pondery of the week, basically. I mean, it'll be the it, it'll be the Will Pondery of the rest of the podcast's existence. Like, yeah, no, that that would that would take the cake. Like, it's just it, it doesn't be, get yeah. worse than him saying something like that, and then like in three days, quote tweeting it and be like, he didn't accept because then everyone is gonna like find him and try to fight him. So I'm pretty confident that it happens now, which is gonna be funny if it doesn't, and then I look even stupider. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's gonna happen within what? When is the when is the end of the spring? Like two like days from now. Very first game of the year is Thursday. Yeah, so like it's gonna happen within before the next. We'll know by the time we record again. So at this point, I think it probably happens, but it's just it's funny how t- down to the wire it's going. 
Well, let's cross our fingers. Yes. All right. Well, uh, happy Passover. Today is one of the many days of Passover. And don't know how familiar you guys are with Passover, but basically the first night is like the most, I don't know if it's like the most important technically, but it's definitely the most celebrated. And at the Passover Seder, everyone gathers for dinner and you tell the story of, of Exodus and there is a symbolic plate at the table that contains a bunch of symbolic items. And one of those things are bitter herbs which are meant to represent tears and anguish of the Jewish slaves and all that. And if there's one group of people besides for Jews that know about tears and anguish, it's Mets fans. <laughs> so a pretty significant overlap between those two demographics, I'd say. Right? There is, yes. So um, we're gonna we're gonna take a look at some bitter herbs on our plate, and we're going to look at Mets draft picks that have been passed over. And promote, extend, and trade this week. So first, we have the 1966 draft. And with the first overall pick, the Mets selected Steve Chilcott, and they passed over Reggie Jackson, who was selected by the A's at number two. Next up, we have the 1971 draft, and the Mets had the 14th overall pick, and they selected Rich Puig, and they passed over Jim Rice, who was selected by the Red Sox at the very next pick. And finally, we have the 1984 draft, and the Mets have the first overall pick, and they selected Sean Abner, and they passed over another player that they were connected to, but had the concerns that they wouldn't be able to afford him, and passed over Mark McGuire, who signed with the A's at oh. 10. Oh, man. What year did Mark McGuire debut? 88? Oh, okay. So I think... Oh, then again, maybe if he comes up in 88, they win another World Series or something. Who knows? Third baseman, Mark McGuire. That's tough. They're all good. So to to clarify, are we promote extend trading the guys the Mets actually took or the actually good players? The, the actually good players. Okay. So are we promoting, like, is it like the one we like the most? What is, what is like the worst of all of these? What, you know, we'll kind of rank it. Worst, less worst, and not that bad, but not great either. So I think it depends on the steroids, how much you care about that. Because you could probably promote McGuire or extend him. But if you think the steroids are bad, then you're going to trade him. So, because it's like, not even a secret with him, <laughs> you know, like, 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 like with some guys, you kind of don't know when, but I mean, with him, I feel like it's pretty much out there. I think he even admitted it himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably, um, Reggie Jackson for me probably is the big one. I think I agree. Yeah, I think that is the worst one just because of the background behind it that they didn't want to sign Jackson supposedly because of the racial issue. I mean, I think he's also, he's also the best player of the bunch, I think. Yeah, uh, probably. And he is extremely my shit. Like, I don't know. Every, everyone I think has like a player profile they like the most. And for me, it's the kind of outfielder that Reggie Jackson was. Also, he was fun. Like, yeah. obviously, I didn't watch him play, but 
watching clips of him and stuff. Could you imagine him doing all those bat tosses and shit in a machine? <laughs> yes, please. With the glasses and everything? Plus you robbed the Yankees of him, like as exactly. a bonus, right? Like that's always good. Assuming they kept him around. Yeah, I think for me it'd be Jackson extended, McGuire promoted, and Rice traded. Probably the same, but Rice was really good, like underratedly good. Yeah. He's just not in their level, I think. No, he's like, to me, Jim Rice is, I don't want to say Hall of Very Good. He's probably actually a Hall of Famer, at least to my mind, though. He's a Hall of Very Good person as opposed to McGuire and Reggie Jackson. I was actually <laughs> looking him up, and he is in the Hall. But Jim Rice is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a whole big thing a couple of years ago. Because I, I wasn't was sure him. if he was. I couldn't remember. He's one of the many guys that when you look back at his career with advanced statistics, he's kind of, his star gets diminished. Yeah. The sad thing about, so I've mentioned that the Mets didn't sign Jackson because of the racial issue. They didn't sign McGuire because they thought that they wouldn't, you know, be able to meet his financial demands and that's also why a lot of other teams passed over him he signed at number 10 oh so how the Mets are going to get Jack Leiter right yeah of Mm -hmm. course but the Mets ended up signing Sean Abner for about five thousand dollars more than McGuire eventually (laughs) signed what (laughs) wow that makes it worse oh no and same thing with Rich Puig and Jim Rice I don't know the details why they weren't interested in Jim Rice. They were both prep, you know, players, and they both signed for about the same money. Uh, Puig got about forty thousand dollars to Rice's thirty thousand. So I don't know. Just could that could be just a situation of uh, you know scouting certain guys look better at certain other times. But that's that's real bad. That's really bad. <laughs> Very Matt's. Yeah, even, so. It was the Will Ponds, but it obviously wasn't the Will Ponds yet. Oh, Sean Abner was the first overall pick, too. Yes. Yeah. Did not have uh, a great career. No. Great. I didn't realize he was the first overall pick. Not what you want. No. All right, now let's, uh, we're looking at these older draft guys. So now let's look at some potential future draft guys, and let's do an update of our guys that we picked last week on our second annual Way Too Early Draft special. Uh, I picked Judd Fabian. So this week, he uh, his stock is definitely down comparatively from the week before when he was the SEC co-player of the week. This week, he went 0 for 10 with two walks and eight strikeouts, so mm. not not great. And that drops him down this season to a 258, 366, 600 batting line with 14 walks, 37 strikeouts, and 8 homers in about 22 games, I think it was. So, you say 37 strikeouts in 22 games? Yeah. Ooh. I still, you know, Ooh. I still would not have a problem drafting him, though. No, I mean, it's a worthwhile gamble, but that's getting to the point where even I'm a little, like... Yeah. Swings and misses a lot. It's not good. Could definitely be better. 
All right, Lucas, you had Brady House. How's he doing this week? Uh, well, uh, the house is on fire, but doom. Oh. Uh, so his, his, let me just give you his, what he's up to on the season now. 640, 15 games played, 644 batting average, uh, 742 on base percentage, two, 2053 <laughs> OPS. Okay. <laughs> Seven home runs and nine doubles. That's um, a play, I think. The dude can hit. The dude can really, like, and this is legit, I mean, it's high school competition, but this is high school, Georgia high school baseball, so this is about as good as there is. Maybe you make an argument for, like, Texas or California or Florida over Georgia, but, like, this is pre- premier competition. Uh, yeah, I think, I think he can hit. I think, uh, I don't think he has much, there's much more we can glean from his high school stats going forward, unfortunately. Yeah. Can you imagine how, uh, tangent here, there is one kid in my county who wound up at a Division One football program and played in the NFL very briefly. Um, and I used to play lacrosse with and then against him. So with on a travel team and then against him on a, uh, in high school. It's just freaking unfair, right? We're just, we're <laughs> out there, we're like pretty good athletes. And then this guy comes along like, wow, I suck. How does it feel to be a, a, like a legitimately good baseball player or like a pitcher having a good season? And then you realize, oh shit, I got to throw to this guy. Yeah. And everyone knows too. Like. <laughs> Like it's it's not exactly a secret that this kid is going to be drafted. So you're you know like going into the week you're like oh man. <laughs> I mean, dude, he's also like six four two thirty so yeah. or two fifteen. So he gets in the box and you already know you're in trouble. <laughs> well, life's not fair. Already, but... It's good to teach these kids early, I guess. <laughs> All right, Thomas, you had Jaden Hill. How's he doing? So he's had an up and down season. I want to. I'm going to talk on that because he had a rough outing last time out. So he's had three outings where he's given up no runs, and he's had three outings where he's given up eight runs, six runs, and six runs. So mm. he's all over the place right now, mm. and that's interesting to me because I wonder if it hurts his draft stock a little bit to make him fall to ten. You know what I mean? Because like if you're a mid round pick, like a mid top ten guy, like a in the fives, I worded that horribly. But uh-huh. if you're around the fifth pick and you start giving up six runs to Tennessee like he did yesterday as the time we're recording this, which is Saturday. Um, that's not good. It's not what you want. And it's that's how you hurt your draft stock. So I'm not necessarily concerned about him because it's one of those things that it's a weird year before that and it's also like the sixth outing of the seat. So like, whatever. It's early. If he goes out there and dominates... But... Really, it's, I'm curious, I'm gonna be more kind of keeping an eye on him going forward to see if this is a trend. Um, one interesting stat line he had was two weeks, was the, was the 19th. He threw 106 pitches, but also gave up six runs, so I don't know why they let him out there and just do, to wear it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting to see what, how his season has gone, because it's very rollercoastery right now. Well, I mean, with him, with, uh, Fabian, you know, they're both kind of in the same boat. These are guys that the talent is there and, you yes. know, the performance is just kind of all over the place right now. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of, 
that's the kind of guy that you'll get around 10 is like the guys that are talented enough to in theory go you know first couple of picks but Mm -hmm. maybe they're not performing that great maybe you know you have questions about an injury concern whatever that's the stuff that's going to drop these kinds of uh players down a couple of pigs for sure i mean it's really a good spot to to flex your player dev and scouting apparatus right like okay everyone knows that these guys have the top tier talent but some wart can i recognize which wart isn't actually that bad or which one i can correct and then steal that top five talent i do want to say he missed a lot of time last year with an elbow injury so i wonder if this is kind of like a like not really indicative of how good he is and it's more him working his way back from it Mm. so that's something to keep an eye on too and i mean it's a very good thing that you throw 106 pitches in uh a year removed from an elbow injury i don't think it was anything like tommy john or anything like that but still it's something to keep an eye on and i wonder if it's him kind of getting back into the swing of things and he'll have a strong late season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And his his numbers kind of get swayed because of coming back from an injury early and you're in college and all that type of stuff. And also something we kind of briefly mentioned last week. Once you get drafted as a professional, they're going to break you down and build you back up however they want you anyway. So, yeah. you know, the numbers don't really matter too, too much. Obviously, you want to see better numbers than bad numbers, but yeah. Oh, sure. But if he had better numbers... Exactly, then. At 10, like we were saying before. Yep, exactly. Baseball's weird in that way where it's not like football, where if you pick 10th, you're like, oh, you're getting a starter. You know what I mean? Like, once you hit 10, it's kind of like that's the start of the end of the draft, like the downhill, the, you start getting worse prospects. Even, it's similar to basketball in that sense. Even basketball. As you just saw with promote extend trade, sometimes you pick one and it just doesn't really work out. Mm hmm. All right, Ken, you had Adrian Del Castillo. How is he doing? Um, you know, he's really kind of just more of the same. Um, he's up to 306, 407, 500 on the season, which is, you know, pretty much in line with where he's been previously. Um, he's still walking more than he's striking out, although neither – is a, is a huge, you know, percentage. Um, yeah, still looks fine behind the plate and, uh, really just kind of holding steady. Uh, recently on Tuesday, he went three for six, uh, with a couple of runs scored, all singles, and then, um, went hitless against Virginia in both games, but did, um, this weekend so far, but did walk twice. So. Yeah, he's having a he's pretty solid season. I'd say his stock is still pretty steady, uh, which likely places him a little bit above where the Mets will be picking at 10. So, I remember Simply reading. Up. Yeah. I remember reading something somewhere about there were some concerns regarding his ability to hit for power. Uh, you say that he's been, he was hit a bunch of singles this week. Is there anything that you see that maybe he's doing? specifically trying to hit for a better average or inconclusive at this point or it's staying inclusive like um I've, I've seen him hit a few balls very hard he does have three home runs on the year so far but um i think he's he's really just been taking what the pitching's been giving him mm. you know, he's, no he's one... always going to be hit over average i think um so 
no one who's ever not worn batting gloves has not been hit over average. I mean, power over, over average. power. Yeah. Yep. Never. It's scientifically impossible to hit for power without batting gloves. You heard it here first. <laughs> I do wonder, like, obviously the the professional scouts who look at this guy have him projected much higher. But I always get a little concerned when I see a potential top college hitter who's just kind of flipping singles everywhere. Me too. I'm not, I'm not going to say college hitting is easy, but it is a little easy to just kind of weakly get your bat on the ball and let the metal bat flip it into the outfield somewhere. Um, I'm not saying that's the case here, just that that stat line gives me a bit of pause. Just Not not that one day, just the overall line where there's not a whole lot of slugging. No, I mean, like, if, if, if you're not hitting for power with a metal bat, how, right. how are you going to hit for power without, you know, like, obviously that happens and you could change your swing and all that, but that's the thing that I think of. Like, if, so if it's you're... It's like the stereotypical Stanford swing thing, right? Where they just yeah. inside out everything, they all bat 350, and then they get drafted, can't hit it, don't have a metal bat I'm anymore. I'm pretty confident that that's not what's happening, Oh, no, yeah. Though. Yeah, I don't think it's him. No, I'm just, oh, no, I'm not saying that that's hitter. him. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's him. It's just yeah. something that I'd be curious to see after he gets drafted, how the power goes in the minors. Yeah, just I mean, because... he's going to have to develop into some, definitely. Um, but I'm willing to bet at this point that the uh, the bat-to-ball yeah. is solid enough where he can get I mean, all, of it, all of his power into games. I mean, if your catcher hits 300 <laughs> in 2022 or 3 or whatever, hell yeah. <laughs> you know I'll what I mean? It. Like. Yep. Like I mean, even though just... like batting average isn't the best way to look at uh, evaluate a hitter, catchers can't hit. <laughs> so even if you get a line drive singles catcher, I'm fine with that, considering how the rest of the catching landscape is at this point. Classic Josh Tolley. I mean Joe Mauer for most of his career. Is, yes. I mean granted Joe Mauer's batting 320 half the time, so that that's notable and walking a ton, but. You bet. You bet. Two ninety. You bet an empty-ish two ninety with good catcher defense. That's a really good player because catchers suck. Yeah, you have mm. to really. It, it might not be a good player in relative to like your average shortstop or something, but it's a good catcher, and you kind of have to look at it that way. And, and before we move away from uh, college players here, it's worth noting that Jack Leiter once again was stupid dominant. And he was basically on his way to throwing his second consecutive uh, no-hitter before he was pulled from the game, which it sounds like I can't really can't. argue. So it sounds like he can't pitch two complete games in a row and should fall to 10. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if <laughs> that that's, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, tracks for me. something that always happens. <laughs> yep. I'm speaking this into existence, that the Mets are going to get him somehow, some way. I'm speaking it into existence. Yes, when he is 40 and can't really pitch anymore. When he works as a special assistant to GM Chris Christie's son. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But at this point, I think there's no doubt that he's going 1-1. He's just too good at this point. Yeah, like his his floor is probably 2, right? Unless he... Um, Unless he's just crazy and is like, I don't want to... Like, unless he just wants an exorbitant amount of money. But... Because he's still, he could just go back to school, but why would you do that if you were him when you could just go pro? So where do you guys think he is, like, in all of baseball top pitching prospects? Hold on. Let me pull up my list. 
Baseball pros. Yeah, I'm literally looking up the 101 now too. <laughs> so I'm get like six stone Anderson. He's they're still better than him since they've been yeah, quite good at the major league pros. level. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm more down on Gore than the BP guys are, and I also think they're more down on him than they're letting on in the 101. Um, I mean, there's I, a lot of not good stuff around him. In terms of I really like Davey Garcia, but, I mean, Asa Lacey is the best pitcher taken in last year's draft. He's 21st, and Jack Leiter's probably better. I would so, say he's better than him. Yeah, so he's a top-five MLB pitching prospect. And yep. he's only a top-five. It's The only reason it's not top-three is because we had a shortened season and Sixto and uh, Ian Anderson didn't graduate. Yeah. So... Top ten ish prospect. It's pretty pretty good. Yeah. Like thinking about who's not gonna be graduated next year. Franco probably graduates. Rutschman might not, but probably does. Julio Rodriguez probably won't, given the Mariners. Kelnick will, Hayes will. Sinet Witt probably will. I mean, there's going to be a lit Madrigal's going to, Vaughn's going to. So next year's he top five very easily. Be yeah. the top prospect in baseball yeah. within a year's yeah. time. Which is so weird to say as a pitcher. And there's an argument you should never one one a pitcher, but yeah. He could also decide to go sign in Japan. You know, I mean that's just uh, if we're I mean I <laughs> could win a million dollars tomorrow too, you know. It's possible. I hope you do. I hope you share Me it. Me too, Steve. Me too. I I personally can't wait to rank Lider one and Allen two in the Mets system in twenty twenty two. Keep the good vibes going. Hey, his dad works for the Mets. Exactly. I'm not this saying is to it, give but I'm just Al a massive like multi million dollar raise on top of whatever you can legally for give no his no son. reason. Al Lider's no, job is a, a the Jack Lider liaison. To the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, so opening day is a few days away now. They're going to be playing the Nationals on Tuesday, and pretty much most of their 26-man roster seems set uh, with a couple of roster moves that they made last week. Catcher, it's pretty much set with James McCann and Tomas Nito. Infield and the outfield, they're both set. And then you have a bench of uh, Albert Almora, Luis Guillerme, Kevin... Pilar and Jonathan VR rounding the bench. And then the rotation, you have obviously DeGrom, Stroman, 
Taiwan Walker, David Peterson, and now Joey Lucchese until Carlos Carrasco is healthy and everything like that. The only real question, yeah, the only real question is basically the bullpen. Edwin Diaz and Trevor May are are locks, obviously, the closer and setup man. And then Dallin Batances, Miguel Castro, Jay Reese Familia, Aaron Loop, they are, I guess, as good as locks too. Because Oof. I really, I really yeah. can't see any situations where they're not. So, and then that leaves basically two spots for a couple of guys. Um, you have Jacob Barnes, Jerry Blevins, Robert Gazelman, Mike Montgomery, Drew Smith, Stephen Tarpley, and Aradis Viscaino. And technically, in theory, Jared Eikhoff too, who's a starter. Um, and they could, in theory, put him in the bullpen, but he hasn't really looked particularly great, so I don't really see a reason why the Mets would want to do something like that. You know, they don't yeah. need to find a place for him. And also, Smith and Viscaino have been dealing with some injury issues, so they could, in theory, start the season on the DL. And you know that. I mean, that's gives... the that's the most depressing thing of the names you just listed. If I was picking purely <laughs> off names, I'm going to Smith and Erodis Viscaino because that's yeah. where the upside is. And oh, Viscaino hey, the was pretty good this year, like yeah. in spring. And Drew Smith showed something last year, and uh, nope, believers, man. Mm-hmm. So basically, Barnes he's looked okay. Blevins he's looked okay. Zellman not really that great. Uh, Montgomery he's been pretty good in a couple games. Smith same thing. Um, Tarpley not that great, and Viscaino he's only had like one game, so. Overall, I am not uh, confident with any of these. I mean, really, outside of Edwin Diaz and Trevor May, I'm not really confident with anybody in the bullpen. It's a very... Like, I think people are sleeping on just how bad this bullpen could be. Um, I agree. Like, Trevor May is a nice pitcher. He's a second-tier reliever in baseball. Second- or third-tier reliever. Um, on a good team, he should be a seventh inning guy, not your setup guy, especially when you consider Edwin Diaz's uh, problems. So I am an Edwin Diaz believer. I'm also a Miguel Castro believer, and he's looked pretty good this spring. Uh, but a good team should not have Miguel Castro as the presumptive seventh inning guy going into the season. Uh, Dalen Batances has, uh, to put it kindly, looked like toast. Yeah, I, yeah I, don't, great I don't know that we've seen a single positive sign from Batances this spring. Um, Familia looks like his old Familia self. He's going to put three runners on and then pray he can wiggle out of it with a hard yeah. round ball right at mm-hmm. someone. Whatever. It's it's Familia is going to like the stuff is still there for him to survive. But I like I don't think he's gonna be reliable. Really, no. he's gonna be one of those dudes that every inning could be a blow up inning, and some of them won't, and some of them will. And like Aaron Loop exists. I can't stand watching him pitch. Oh yeah, it's yeah. aesthetically the worst. It <laughs> it it makes me want to want to die. But I mean, it went from it's a shame because it went from one of the most aesthetically pleasing pitchers oh, in yeah, 2015, and that it, what again relievers man. He lost like. A smidge of command, and now he has no idea where the ball's going. 
Like, because he was never, like, Mr. Pinpoint Accuracy, even no, in the 50-save, like, stretch that he had or whatever it was, where he was just one of the better closers in baseball. And now, like, he lost just a little bit of it, and it's just, he's just flinging the ball up there and yelling expletives when, the, yep. when, there's, no, when there's no one in the crowd. The scary part is, is it's not like the Mets really have anybody that they can, you know, let's say that Familia Batanzas, let's say Batanzas is complete toast and, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks into the season and you just, you need to remove him from the bullpen because he's just not giving you anything. It's not really like the Mets have many guys that they could turn to, which is the scary part. I mean, I mean right. Like we were hoping to see more from, did we have Gilliam in the top 25? We did. I think he was like at 23. Yeah, he was at the end. He snuck in. I mean, we had Gilliam and uh, Mick Williams, right? In the mm-hmm. top 25. And Mick Williams was a disappointment for me. Both of them looked like Garbo in the spring. Yeah. Which isn't to say they are Garbo, right? Like, I still think, like, I'm not going to change my valuation of a prospect based on three spring innings. But if those are your presumptive relievers and you plan to contend they better look good in spring mm-hmm. and Thomas Sapucky we got the uh, one inning in uh... <laughs> on Mars <laughs> yeah with on the curiosity rover <laughs> <laughs> I mean basically in the minors that you could slot into with the bullpen if you need to that are on the 40 man roster right now you have Yancy Diaz you have Franklin Kilame, who who has been a starter, but I think might be better suited as, as a reliever. You have Sam McWilliams. Um, you have Thomas Zipucky. You have Sean Reed Foley. Um, and Daniel Zamora. You know, that's that's Zamora. Not, not really a fearsome bunch. I mean, maybe Yamamoto. He's always been a starter, but. You you could turn him into just just throw sliders. And... I think they want him to be a starter though, and that's yeah. why optioned him. I think they just want him to stay stretched out for another because at some point you can't just keep stealing the starting depth to help the bullpen depth because then you don't have starting. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. some guys have to be the starting depth, like because you named a few guys who were starters and like Deshaun Reed Foley's of the world, and like granted they should not be starting depth because they've shown time and time again that they probably should be relievers, but. So at least some of them have to stay starting depth. <laughs> I think I think at this point they really should, and all indications are that they plan to keep Yancy Diaz and uh, Yamamoto stretched out, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, I don't think there's any reason why Thomas Sapucky shouldn't be in the bullpen if he's not already. And I am agree. I agree with you guys that Kilame as a starter is nice in theory, but the dude's 26 has hasn't thrown a ton and has. Unlike Yamamoto and uh, Diaz, has stuff that I think plays up in the bullpen uh, much better. Like Yamamoto has no fastball, and Diaz's fastball isn't great either. So that's why Yamamoto should be in the bullpen. Just throw nothing but sliders. I mean, be the Luke Gregerson of 2021. In in theory, I guess. I think yeah. I I I think Yamamoto was a legitimate enough prospect, and same with Diaz that they haven't. Give him a more another chance to fail in a more valuable role. That yeah, the I mean, Mets still need depth in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Syracuse needs people to pitch too, obviously. And Yamu, what you're saying, he hasn't he hasn't shown that he can't do that, so he should continue. 
And something I mentioned um, somewhere, I don't remember where, was um, like the the starting rotation now is not very well equipped to go deep into games. Um, Degrom can, and I think, but but outside of that, Peterson has been has pitched into the seventh inning once in his career as a major leaguer. Uh, Lucchese looks like closer to an opener slash follower than a starter because of like the way he pitches. It's he only has the two pitches and one's a churve and that's kind of gimmicky. Like I tr- I trust him the first time or two through the order, but once you start seeing it, so like that's a lot of tax on a bullpen <laughs> that isn't really deep either. You know, like mm-hmm. they're gonna have to get creative with how they with how they um schedule everything and I think that um they could kind of figure it out in that way where they kind of split up. I think they should split up Lucchese and Peterson because that's probably going to be a lot of innings. You know what I mean? Well, then you also have real bad this spring. You also yes, have Walker who's coming back from injury and in theory could be a similar, you know, five and out dude too just because his body can't you know, shouldn't be taking that. It's it's interesting because and that's just every almost every starter now is the, 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 the unicorns are the guys who could throw into the seventh and eighth. Like for the most part you're six and out. So to have even less of those guys like five and outs and openers and followers and stuff, they're gonna have to get creative. Do you and trust the Mets to be creative? Uh, maybe now. Um I don't think that I think a Barnes opening is actually a thing that they might do. Um you don't do it now in the end of March. Without and I without the idea of like if they do that and then not address it all in the season, that's just a weird decision to put everyone through. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's just kind of backwards. Like you would do that in the beginning of the month for just to let them get some work in. But you, they and Barnes said in his post game presser thing that they treated him as if he was the starter and he had the full starter warm up and all that stuff. So maybe that's prepping them for that and maybe he could go two innings and Lucchese could go three. You know, so. He's going to be an important part of the bullpen, which if you told me to say that in January, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't hate that. I think Barnes is still prospect-y. I don't want that's – I mean, he's 30 years old, right? But And he has a decent amount of experience, I suppose, at this point. But the, the, there's potential there, I think, that's not been totally tapped. And Hefner what is prospect- all over him. Yeah, what Hefner about, what is, is like – yeah. Going to the papers to talk about how good he is, you know, like. Um, I mean, nominally we are a prospect podcast, but unfortunately there are no prospects. That, the prospects <laughs> that are notable here aren't particularly good in the first place and didn't look particularly good in spring. And the fact that the Mets have left themselves in a spot where Dellen Batances has looked as bad as he has and is guaranteed a spot. Jerry's Familia is still Jerry's Familia and is guaranteed a spot. And Jacob Barnes is. Jacob Barnes and his guaranteed a spot where we're now scraping the barrels of, oh, well, Sam McWilliams is nice and Riley Gilliam's an interesting prospect and Thomas Zipucky used to be something. Like, this shouldn't be a conversation that we're having. Yeah. And, like, they didn't need to also go out and sign Liam Hendricks for $50 million either. Like, I understand that Sandy in his tenures as Mets GM, because he virtually was the GM this year, he didn't put any emphasis on the bullpen because it's random and it's very um it's you never really know what you're getting it could vary year from year but you could give yourself better better shots here you know <laughs> like 
like you don't have to. There's a medium ground from spend going the White Sox route or the Yankees route and spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on these relievers. And you don't also have to be like, oh, Stephen Tarpley and Jacob Barnes are fine, you know? Like, there's a plenty. There was plenty of solid Trevor May type guys who you could have signed and made him sign for a ton of money. And May is going to be worth that contract unless he totally implodes, which I don't think he will. Yeah. So like, you could have done a little bit more, especially like Steve Ciszek got released, and maybe you could sign him. I don't know how good he is anymore, but I might rather him than some of those names, you know. So it's just it's curious. I wonder if they start sniffing around. The, well, they're gonna have if this team is contending, they are one hundred percent going to need to acquire bullpen help. They're gonna trade for it at the deadline, is my guess. Is yes, like I can't really unless someone gets hurt somewhere. They have depth at pretty much everywhere else except starter for like maybe I don't know they trade for a frontline starter, but that's crazy. People te- teams that really do that, like the the bullpen is going to be fast forward in a few months when they're in like fighting in first or second place against Atlanta. They're going to be like. Oh, the Mets need bullpen arms, and they trade for three of them, <laughs> and that's how they get like Addison. I mean, then we're going to be sitting here talking about the impact on the pro- on the farm, which, as we've said previously, is not that great. And yes, they could have and just spent the money. The thing about reliever prospects is they're just usually failed starters, like, and the Mets don't really have any of that either in the upper echelons of the minors, which is to go back to a different conversation. Is like failed, I guess, is kind of harsh, but. You don't really draft the Riley Gilliams of the world to be your next closer. Like, it's usually a starter who doesn't develop the changeup or something. So Unless it's just, you're Omar Minaya, and it's 2007, yeah. and Eddie Poons <laughs> is available. Yeah, but, well, exactly. Well, how, what type of career did he get? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, great, I think this speaks to their overall lack of pitching depth more so than just relievers. Because... You could get creative and put the Adam Wainwrights in the pen for a year or two to figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Matthew Allen, bullpen ace? I mean, if he's close, you might as well get that clock ticking. I mean, that brings up another point, actually. I mean, when Syndergaard comes back from Tommy John, do you put him, in theory, in the bullpen to just no. kind of ease him back? No. When they you don't when have the depth to to do that, when I would they, say if they had a better rotation, yeah, when I, they invariably draft Jack Leiter. Do you put him yes. as the bullpen ace as mentioned? Yeah, fair crochet with Jack Leiter. I'm here for it. He's just gonna <laughs> skip the minors completely and go right into the Mets bullpen and be their closer. It'll work. <laughs> He's gonna Mike leak it and not skip the minors, but as a reliever. I think I think regarding Thor, um, the quality of rotation you would need to justify putting a pitcher as good as Syndergaard in the bullpen it's insane. Uh, does not exist and arguably is not feasible to exist. I think the Dodgers could. I don't think so. You don't think they could? No. I don't think the Do- I don't like, well, then me, they would just put if you're going to throw Syndergaard in the bullpen, you need three pitch starting pitchers who are clearly better than him. Which is just not it's something that any team has had like since the two thousand late two thousand tens Phillies with Halliday, Lee, and Oswald. Like something you need that. The yeah, don't have that. Can you imagine how good he'd be in the pen though? It'd be stupid. It'd be insane. Just let him go for like two, three innings at a pop. It'd be disgusting. <laughs> 
but him in the rotation is also intermittently yeah. disgusting. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, the Mets bullpen, I think we could all agree, is the this is fine meme, just incarnate. It's just so perplexing why they let it get this bad. How did I let things get the, the subsequent panels of that mean? How did I let this get this bad? <laughs> it's, I, and I don't even want the type of like super expensive uh, additions to the pen because that's very risky. Just do a little bit more. Just get a little bit. Meet me in the middle. For three million bucks. Yeah. It's mm. it's also the only spot in the team that I'm worried about. Yep, same. Well, um, so the season's about to start. Um, hopefully the Mets bullpen does better than we are forecasting it to. But obviously um, we are not alone on this planet. And there are baseball in other places, and things have already gotten started in other countries. And I don't want to be a hypocrite and the kind of person that was just like, oh, yeah, we're following, you know, Japanese baseball, Korean baseball, Taiwanese baseball last year when things were kind of obviously weird. And now that baseball is back to normal kind of here, who gives a shit about those other places? Um, You know, I am a baseball fan, and I think just – by virtue of having nominally followed baseball in those other places last year that I'm a fan, you know, of of those teams and everything like that. So this year I want to, you know, not in as much depth as we did last year, but we're going to keep updates on those teams that we chose last year. So I just want to give a quick refresher for everybody since obviously a lot of time has passed between uh, when the season ended last year. Time has no meaning, Steve. That is true, too. Um, so in the CPBL, the Chinese Professional Baseball League, we are once again going to be following the Unilions. Um, we, we picked them last year because they're generally considered to be underdogs that should be better than they actually are because management is not that great on the field and in the front office. Uh, they play in Tainan City, which is one of the l- oldest cities and the largest cities in Taiwan. And Tainan Airport is right next to their stadium, and planes are constantly buzzing over. Um, so, sounds very Metsian. Mm-hmm. And they had a pretty rough first half last year. Uh, they basically retooled everything in their – they retooled their entire pitching staff in the second half. They got rid of all the foreign players that they had and replaced them. And things turned around, and they won the second-half title. And then after they had their backs against the wall, falling behind in the Taiwan series three games to one, they came back. They won games five, six, and seven, and they won the CPBL championship. So it was nice to have a winning team for a change. Uh, overall, it's a pretty balanced team. Um, their, their foreign pitching picks up. Pickups in the second half, Teddy Sankovic, uh, Tim Melville, Brock Dykeshorn, they were all really good, and they've all resigned for another year. Uh, former former major leaguer Felix Dubrant, they signed him, and he's going to be pitching there too. So their pitching is pretty good. And then um, their offense, they had three outfielders that were basically the, the best offensive players in the entire league, Anko Lin. 
Chi Chia Su and Chi Xian Chen. And then they also had their third baseman, uh, Fu Lin Ko. He lost about half the season after being suspended from drunk driving, but he kind of has all-star potential too. So they hopefully can be winners again in 2021. Um, in the KBO, like sweet, I gotta say, that sounds like a sweet gig. Might, might just be because I love Taiwanese food, but go hang out, yeah. play some baseball in a small league, eat Taiwanese food all time, all the whole time. Honestly, I, think, I would 100% play overseas if I was a good enough athlete to be a professional, like at some point in my career. Yeah, I think that, uh, I don't want, want to say stigma maybe is not the right word, but I think a lot of the stigma on both sides has kind of been removed the last decade or so. You're Honestly, going, I think it's because dudes have come over and hit and pit. Right. It's like, like you're not going there because you're just old and washed up and you just can't let go and say, you know, and hang up your cleats. Like players who are better than that are starting to go in that direction. And in... Taiwan, in Korea, in Japan, they are more receptive of, you know, the foreign players um, than they had been in years past and embracing them more. And not, they're not, cons- they, they don't just view them as, you know, mercenaries to come over for a couple of months, hit a bunch of home runs and goodbye. We don't want to deal with you anymore. You know, the, uh, the person I think of is Eric Thames, where mm-hmm. like he, he was, I felt like the first guy to like go over and come back. And man, he was so good when he came back at first. Like, obviously, that fell off a little bit, but he transformed himself as a player and really as, like, a person because he got got totally jacked. But, like, he basically said, I think, I I don't remember where the interview was, but I remember him saying, like, he struggled with breaking stuff in Mm -hmm. America. And then he went to Korea, and that's all he saw (laughs) because that's what, like, the, the game is different there. And it taught him how to hit it, and then he came back, and he was very good for a little bit, and now he's a solid player. So like once once one guy does it, then when you're Chris Flexen and to wrap it back to the Mets minor league system, <laughs> why would you be a quad A guy here and get rocked around when you could go to Korea and figure it out and then now you have a three year deal in Seattle? And yeah. I think he even made the rotation. So like uh, he hasn't been too good. I was gonna mention him, but yeah. Flexen I mean he's like it's spring, so yeah. I'm, gonna <laughs> I'm I'm gonna let Chris uh survive that one. But <laughs> for real like it's a it's a legitimate way to rebuild yourself and i would rather play professional baseball in japan or korea than iowa <laughs> like mm-hmm. on a bus somewhere like you're making better money you're playing in the top league and overseas and that's a cool life experience which is a non-baseball thing but eric Thames is like really cool over there like they loved him it is the truth and he played on the um, NC Dinos in Korea. So let's look at Korea next. The KBO, the team that, and that we chose. And that is how you segue. Mm-hmm. We chose the LG Twins because they represent Seoul, a major metropolitan area. They're one of two teams that share not only that city, but actually they share the same stadium with the Doosan Bears. And they are... Another team that, generally speaking, they've been anchored by a strong pitching staff historically. And one of their best players in team history was a right-hander who wore number 41. So some Mets parallels there. Excellent. Trade him for a mediocre third baseman. (laughs) The Twins, the LG Twins last year, they went 79, 61, and 4. And on the whole, they were pretty dominant at times. And they were 
near the top of the standings pretty much all year. Uh, former major leaguer and super underrated player Hunsu Kim uh, was one of their well, one of their best offensive guys, uh, along with former Rockies farmhand Roberto Ramos and uh, former Red Sox pitching prospect, former top um, draft pick Casey Kelly anchored the rotation. And the team ends up in fourth place out of ten in the on the year. They made the playoffs. They were one of the two wild card teams. And they beat the Kiwum Heroes, the other wildcard team, and met those rival Dusan Bears in the semis. But the Bears swept them in the best of three. And the aforementioned Chris Flexen absolutely spanked them. So uh, the core of the Twins is basically the same as it was last year. So hopefully they're going to be as good as they were. They lost uh, one of their foreign pitchers, Tyler Wilson, and they replaced him with Andrew Suarez, who was a former Giants pitcher. And they're also going to be giving Minho Lee, who was one of the rookies. He placed second place in Rookie of the Year voting. They're going to be giving him, him a bigger role. So hopefully they're going to be solid on both sides of the plate, pitching and offense. And finally, and certainly least, are the Ethel Swallows. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it... it it seemed good at first. You know, we picked them. They play in Tokyo. They share Tokyo with the Giants. They're overshadowed by the Giants. Should um, we just should we just abbreviate the story? Tell the listeners that Godzilla attacked, destroyed their whole stadium, and the franchise is now defunct, and leave it at that. I mean, that that would work. It would be you know, it's too bad for the stadium. Meiji yeah. Jingu Stadium. It is a kind of historic stadium. It opened in '64. Godzilla don't you. care. You got, yeah, you got nuclear true. reactors to eat or monkeys to fight. King Kong uh, coming this Wednesday. Anyway. <laughs> I'm I'm so excited. It is true. So, yeah, I mean, maybe we would be better off if the Swallows just disappeared. <laughs> they were good for maybe the first two, three weeks of the season, and then things went downhill very, very, very hard. They ended up the season uh, 41, 69, and 10, which was dead last in the entire NPB. And it got pretty tough to just like look at the box scores and really bring myself to even care um there were a couple of bright spots though if you sift through the darkness uh right-handed ace and i kind of use that term lightly more like just their number one starter by virtue of being the best egg in a bunch of rotten ones he so threw no free circa 2010 yeah kind of um Yasuhiro Ogawa, he threw a no-hitter, so that's always cool. And also 2009 Rookie of the Year, Munetaka Murakami, he followed the Rookie of the Year season up with basically an MVP caliber year. Um, He led the league in homer, uh, he he led the team in homers and OPS and walks, basically every single offensive category. He was near the top in most of them in the entire Central League. But because the Swallows were just so bad, he ended up getting uh, 10th place in MVP voting when the case could be made that he really should have won. But, you know, oh well. And the Swallows were amazingly bad last year. Um, So that means there's nowhere to go but up, hopefully, in Mm -hmm. 2021. But key to things is really going to be Tetsuo Yamada, the quote-unquote Mike Trout of Japan. Um, that we hyped up 
basically coming into 2020, he had four 30-30 seasons in five years, which is really good, obviously. Yes. Uh, he had a cumulative batting average over 300, also very good. And in five years, was worth 40.3 uh, wins above replacement, including a, a 12.2 season in 2015. And last year, he, um, to put it lightly, he did not perform as such. He missed some time because of injuries, and then when he came back, he was not really that great. He hit 254, 346, 419 with 12 homers and 8 steals. So a healthy Yamada coupled with um, Murakami repeating that kind of offensive production and, you know, some of those complimentary players that they have having solid years, maybe they can get things over 500. Maybe that could maybe that could get to five hundred. Let's let's That's always the dream is yeah. getting to five hundred. Like that's when you set out during spring and you say, Alright boys, long season ahead. Let's play some five hundred baseball. I would be hyped. I mean they just basically have to win thirty more games than they did last year. Steve, I thought you're gonna point. be like they just have to win half of their games. I was like, Yes, that's how five hundred works. <laughs> No, just 30 more that they, than they did last year. I think that's, you know, completely doable, right? Yeah. I mean, sure. Out of how many? My <laughs> well, they they played an abbreviated season last year. They played only about 110. Normally, the MPB season is 144. So I'm not really sure off the top of my head how many they're going to be doing this year. I think they're back to 144. But either way, they need to be a better team. And we talk about the Mets' pitching problems. This this is this team has some pitching problems, and nothing on the horizon either. Their ace is, you know, again, quote is a quote unquote ace, and in real realistically, their best pitcher is like a forty two year old left handed veteran who is okay. So when you have to rely on a guy like that. Uh, not good. And now let's wrap things up with Will Connor of the week. And I think that goes to whatever unpaid intern most likely runs the Cinnamon Toast Crunch Twitter account. So I missed this whole thing. Can someone <laughs> explain it to me in 30 seconds? I, 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 I'm We're out of the loop. Um, basically, a guy found shrimp tails in his Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal along uh-huh. with other items that are clearly not Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh-huh. He brought that to their attention, and they told him, oh, no, 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 no. What you see, you don't actually see shrimp. It's just crystallized sugar clumps. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, they told him it was like <laughs> sugar. And he said, no, I'm pretty sure this is shrimp. And they kind of doubled down, and yeah, it, it just spiraled out there. of control. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Has there been any resolution to this? Was this actually a manufacturing, uh, or is this a finger in the McDonald's chili situation where the guy faked it? We, I mean, it, if you look at the pictures, it's clearly shrimp. I don't know the origins of said shrimp, <laughs> but the, the fact <laughs> that they're the ocean, Steve. <laughs> the fact that there also seem to be mouse droppings in his uh, cinnamon toast crunch is not a good sign. No. And I feel like if you found mouse droppings in your cinnamon toast crunch to begin with, that's not a good sign. But then when you also have shrimp tails and 
what looked like little pieces of like string and all I can think of those old commercials where they can't see why the kids love the great taste of sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's the shrimp. <laughs> Secret ingredients. I mean, it is the taste you can see. So. <laughs> <laughs> but literally, all General Mills had to do was just give like give the dude like an empty statement about we value your business, we'll look into it, blah blah blah. <laughs> and he probably would have been like, okay, cool, thanks, and got a coupon for like more cinnamon toast crunch. But they literally were just like, no, that's not true. <laughs> And he's he's literally this sending. Isn't injured. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, we we have gotten to the point where he is sending his one of his shrimp samples. I think there were three of them, two or three of them. I'm not really. I don't know. He's sending them to an independent. <laughs> he's sending them to an independent laboratory to be analyzed because he doesn't trust General Mills to actually give him like a straight answer. Okay, well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Can you guys confirm that this is actual shrimp for me, please? <laughs> like... <laughs> no, sir, this is crawfish. Sorry. Oh, I did not see that turn coming. Twist. <laughs> now, you would have thought that in a week like this where a guy literally crashed and jammed up the Suez Canal and just destroyed like the world economy that the that greatest, guy would get the it. Greatest accident of all time. But just <laughs> just the fact that General Mills dug in so much and fought and now they look so foolish. That is typical Will Pondering. Oh. Right, well if anyone has any questions Comments, shrimp, whatever. <laughs> you can send us an email at our email. Make sure it's cinnamon crusted, though. Otherwise, we don't want it. No, actually, it's... Please it's... email us shrimp. <laughs> Please email us shrimp. Please physically mail us shrimp to P.O. Box. The Reason Avenue app, SB Nation's P.O. Box. Uh-oh. We're going to get in trouble for that. Please don't get us fired. <laughs> Um, and follow us on Twitter instead. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at LVlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at ZedMetSeason, SZN. You can subscribe to the podcast where you get your podcast from, rate and review it. And, of course, thank you for listening. And until next week, love the Mets. Love the Mets. Love the Mets.